This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Broadcasting live from our beautiful Ferndale Studios podcast, Detroit. This is the DSR podcast for December 15th, 2015. I am the editor-in-chief of the DetroitSportsRag.com, Jeff Moss. He is my co-host, Justin, at Darko State News Spiro, produced as always by Jessica with no last name. <laughs> Oh, by the way, no one asked to see my hair today, so that's a good Oh, wait, yeah. I almost forgot about your funny-looking head. Yeah, it's... Is uh, it grown out? It's coming back. I'm supposedly getting a haircut for my regular guy this week. The Morosi cut is almost gone. <laughs> Although I, I have quizzed my wife, and like, because I can't see it in the back, and I'm like, well, can you see any of the letters? She says, yeah, and then I'm like, okay, what letters are there? Because I know she doesn't remember oh. what the guy's name is. And she goes, oh, I see an R, I see an S... So I'm like, like yeah, oh, that's guess, shit. I guess I am. <laughs> it's still not fully back, but look, there's so much to talk about. I mean, how much random shit has happened in the last like 14 minutes before the show started? We had this idea of where we're going to go, and then we have the the lady at the studio bombing Jennifer Hammond for an alleged poor transaction. The cleaning lady. The cleaning. The, the, the cleaning lady was in here, I guess, a few weeks ago, and I guess we were discussing the hammer. And she waited until today, about, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes before the show to say, yeah, I had an interaction with her. I once cleaned her house and she stiffed me out of money. <laughs> How random I, is that? I just, it, it's incredible. And, you know, we're, we're doing show prep and we get hit with that, with that bomb that basically, according to the cleaning lady, Danielle, that Jennifer Raymond stiffed her on a bill and then uh, apparently, according to her, threatened her, sort of 
um, I guess uh, not so directly, but sort of insinuated that she would use her, her media powers to, to ruin her business. I mean, again, we're, we don't know what yeah, this well, is well, true. What or, was Jennifer uh, Hammond going to do, uh, go on Fox 2 and say, uh, the Lions lost yesterday to the St. Louis Rams, and also, by the way, my cleaning lady tried to overcharge me and don't use her, and here's her name? Well, again, you know, you know we don't know what – uh, of, if any of this is true, I, I, the the lady sure seemed credible. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, you know, that's just we're relaying that story. But that was an interesting and we a great idea came out of it. We're going to see Jennifer Hammond on Thursday at the annual uh, Killer Kowalski Tom Kowalski the uh, charity event that he had prior to his passing a few years back. Uh, Matt Riley, a great guy, his a uh, good friend, has continued to run it uh, even though Killer is gone, raising money for. For charities uh, that were close to Killer's Heart, including, I think, uh, Christmas gifts for underprivileged children in the Kegel Harbor area. Um, so that'll be Thursday night. So my idea, and we're going to talk about that a little later when we get into the 6.30-ish, we'll, we'll, we'll promote uh, that party that's going to be at the Lodge. But we're going to see her in two days. My idea is to get the hammer in here get the uh, woman who cleaned her house and have like a Judge Judy-esque show where we can let Jessica be the judge. Oh, God, I like and, that. <laughs> yeah, you, you can be the judge and you can determine like damages and, uh, you know, we can get some evidence from Danielle, who was the cleaning lady. Uh, she says she has some text messages and That's Jennifer really all saved, saved, saved them all apparently yeah. and that saved the ones that were – you know, again, this is all alleged. We don't know any of if no, this is true. But no, but it would be a great radio. Alleged, alleged threatening texts. Um, yeah, who knows? You're good buddies with Jennifer from her coverage of your charity event in, at U of M for the uh, Singler Cup. I, I have had a positive relationship with Jennifer Hammond. Uh, that certainly makes one of us, you know, in, in the DSR no, yeah. top, of the, top of the mountain. Right. You know – I can only go by my own interactions with her. I, first of all, I think she's a she's a fine broadcaster. I think she's a pro's pro, and she does a good read. Um, but uh, you know, I it was the same thing when I gave the other side of John Wharton. I've had really positive interactions with Jennifer Ammon. She was very helpful in promoting our event without my asking. I mean, she she was very proactive. So you know, again, I'm not going to sit here and bomb her, but we just we had to share that story. Well, two uh, years ago just, at, the, at the Killer Charity, she wished bad karma on me. And ever since that, I've been dealing with cancer in family members, either my dog or my my father. I, I didn't think about so that. So that yes. bad karma is obvious. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to ask her and beg her and get on my knees to. What about your to, hair? You didn't even mention that. You right. know, why would you make me the judge of this? This has turned out so poorly for you. Her not liking you. <laughs> well, because you're an impartial person. I mean, you can go. You can. You obviously, but then if I see the judgment in the wrong way, she may damn me to hell. And that's then boom, true. I get hit by a bus tomorrow. <laughs> that, that could happen. Wow. Her 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 karma powers you're telling are very me the strong. Karma is strong with this one. <laughs> it, it is very strong with this one. So we could. You you know, you're good friends with her. Last year at the party, after wishing me bad karma, two years ago. Last year, she came up to my wife and said that she, she, my wife, Melissa, could do much better than me, which, look, I don't think yeah, anyone yeah, in this room is going yeah, to we deny. Kinda, we, had her, we had her back on that one. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much accurate, dead on. But So I think you should broker this uh, appearance by Hammer on a future show. Judge Judy, we could get like a podium. We, should, we could periscope it. It could be a big deal. I think that would be great, a great event. So I mean, I, 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 I'm up for it. I, I you know, let Jennifer know. 
that we would be discussing this. That's sort of our nature. Anytime we're going to put anybody on blast, we don't, you know. We're not even putting anyone on blast. Right. Well, sorry, we're, we're not. We're right? it out there. <laughs> I just say, you know, if we put someone on blast, we we're, we have full disclosure. We're not even doing that. But even if we're going to discuss someone, you know, especially when there's undocumented claims being made against them, uh, certainly. And I, I reached out to Jennifer and told her she's welcome to call in and and refute this. I mean, it's, it's up to her. We're, we're just passing along the story. We have no idea. As always, anyone we criticize is welcome to come on the show. That's the rule. We, that's always going to be the rule. We will not, uh, you know, that's up. Bill Simonson, uh, you know, he wants to come on the show and discuss the article I wrote about him or John Wharton can come on the program. Anyone that, I, I don't give a shit. I, I don't run from anyone and uh, I will give anyone their fair time and their say. I saw a movie over the weekend that you have also seen, which I haven't seen every movie, obviously, that's going to be up for an Academy Award uh, this year, including uh, Star Wars, which will be coming out in two days. But I'm not sure I will see a better movie and a more deserving best picture than the film I saw the other night, Spotlight, a movie that basically is kind of like, I guess they're calling it uh, All the President's Men, Modern Day the coverage of the Boston Globe dealing in the early 2000s with the Catholic Church uh, pedophile priest situation that they had going on. And and I said you, – you said I overrated it. I say it's one of the top ten movies of the century. Uh, I, I said you overrated it while I was giving it an A-. I mean, well, yeah, you say – well, you gave it an A-, and I said it's one of the top ten movies of the century. Yeah. So I'm, obviously I'm giving it incredible praise. Sure. I just I just wanted to clarify that I also thought it was incredible. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend it. And we're not going to spoil anything, but we kind of discussed over the weekend when I when I mentioned to Spiro if he had, if he had seen it yet uh, because it, it kind of – relates to something that the DSR has been banging on the drum for 13 years. Now, obviously, covering sports, the free press and the news, MLive, other assorted papers in town, nothing sports-related is going to be probably as important as little children getting molested by priests. But I think it's worth talking about in the sports uh, discussion how the newspapers just aren't doing real journalism anymore. This story is from, what, 14 years ago because uh, 9-11 happened while they were doing the investigation. There's a few things to talk about. One, really, can newspapers even do this type of reporting anymore? Maybe, Maybe the New York Times, maybe the Boston Globe, maybe the Washington Post. Their business models crashed because... Everyone's now getting the paper for free on their iPad or their computer. Very few people pay for the newspaper anymore. And regarding sports, it seems to me, and this has been a constant topic that we've discussed, that sports journalists, in at least in Detroit, are self-hating. And they don't take themselves seriously. They think they're covering something frivolous. And a lot of them behave in that manner. And I, I think there's no better example in the Detroit media specifically than the Max Bowl issue at Michigan State being suspended for the Rose Bowl. What an embarrassment to the media, an indictment on the media to not come up with that story. And that's something we've railed on for the last few years. You look at somebody like the Boston Globe, a publication like the Boston Globe, systemically taking down an institution as powerful as the Roman Catholic Church. In Boston, which is in, an important part of it. Right, which is a, that's an a important point. Boston, the 
least open to this sort of takedown and, and drag them out I, I, article. I the think equivalent I could would, be, would be someone trying to take down GM, Ford, and Chrysler basically in the Detroit newspapers for lying about a mission test or something. I mean, it's that sort of thing. That's how tied into the community uh, Boston is with the Catholic and, Church. And just, I mean, just talk about it wasn't, there's two things going on here. In this Boston case that that we're comparing the Detroit media to, it's not just good reporting. You have to be smart. You have to handle it well. You have to know how to work a source. I mean, you and I both have journalism backgrounds. We understand the basics of it. Most people, I think, get it, that there's a certain skill involved and a certain technique. But it's also just balls. I mean, they had to have giant balls, for lack of a better term, to go after the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, there's just – there there were threats being made to these reporters – they were, and it's not just threats of oh, we're going to throw you in a dumpster. Threats of you know, you're not even going to work anymore. We're going to put you out of business. People are, you're going to get fired. We're going to write a hundred letters to the Boston Globe a day until you're terminated. It just takes a certain level of balls to go after something like that. And you look at the comparison in Detroit, where the Detroit media, Rex Road, Graham Couch, Matt Carboneau, they refuse to bring down one little element of the Michigan State Athletic Department. It's just it, – it, it's so troubling that the Roman Catholic Church can come down and the Detroit media is not even willing to take one little nugget of information which was readily available to a lot of people. Let's look at who knows what happened with Max Bola. The entire coaching staff at Michigan State, anybody associated in an official capacity with the program operations, every single one of his teammates – his entire family, I'm sure many of the family friends, literally every NFL team in the league, all their executives and scouts knew by Max Bull's own admission. He said he told everyone in the meetings with all the teams it was common knowledge. That's his term, not mine. Max Bull has said what happened was common knowledge to the people that matter, meaning the NFL scouts and GMs that were interviewing him. You're, you're into the several hundreds of people who know what happened to one of the best Michigan State football players in program history going into the biggest game in that program's history in 25 years, one of the 10 biggest ever. And there's just this total aloofness. And not only is there an aloofness, there's sort of this defiance when they're called on it of, you know, Rex wrote, you don't think I tried to get the story. I tried. You didn't try hard enough. This is your job. All these guys do is they go to the press conferences, they soap up everything, they, 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 they're going to say D'Antonio's great, Izzo's great, and they are pretty damn good, but there's never any criticism when it's warranted, and they're not going to poke the bear too strongly lest they lose any access, so, unless it be uncomfortable there are, there, for them There's so there. many people scared. All they care about is their own vocation, their own paycheck. It, they're comfortable. Right. And, and a journalist shouldn't be comfortable. No. That's, and, and that's what it comes down to is what, what is the basic function of a journalist? Yet you need guys that just report the quotes of the press conference. There's a value in that. That's the job for first three years out of, uh, out of J school when you're starting at a paper. Let that, that's bitch work that needs to be done. It, you, you need it. It's part of the reporting. But that's not journalism. That's, that's sort of basic level, entry level reporting. But that's not journalism. You can't call these guys journalists. You, there's at least 500 people that knows exactly what happened to Max Bola. It's his job to know. And you know what? I do believe there's such a thing as going to the end of the earth and failing to get a story. I think that can happen. I think a journalist can do everything they think possible and not get it. But that's not the case with Joe Rexford. And you know why? And, and Graham Couch, I'm not singling him out. 
They have they they don't have any track record of ruffling any feathers up there. They, they don't have the benefit of the doubt. And it's an no. absolute disgrace to see these guys lay down. And, and we're just using the Max Bola story as one example, but that it, it's endemic. There's a general just that no one wants to ruffle any well, feathers. Well, how, how about the fact that basically, you know, the shenanigans that Miguel Cabrera has been involved in, there's no investigative reporting. You know, <laughs> Tom Gage writes an article about the, the, what was going on in that locker room with uh, Miguel Cabrera during the 2014 season? Completely antiseptic. It just was, you know, barely told anything. It was kind of like a personal grievance. It was our website that found out why he was so pissed and that Miguel Cabrera was completely acting in, inappropriate in that locker room, sexual gestures towards reporters and things like that, because nobody wants to lose their credentials. And you look and at this, who got when killed, you watch sorry, Spot, who got killed who got killed for bringing that to light me yeah oh, yeah. yeah I mean right. you, you you know and Tony Paul sorry to interrupt you but Tony Paul bringing up Tory Hunter's stuff his anti-gay remarks in the in the clubhouse over the two years that he was here Tony Paul was attacked for going after clubhouse leader Tory Hunter it's like people don't even want to hear it that's why I, I implore you to go watch this movie and watch what people did you know. The family members, you know, were upset about the reporting because they were such Catholic, uh, devout Catholics. I mean, this this is just something that I think everyone needs to see, along with all the president's men, the insider movies like that. I just think are are, are they should be shown in journalism schools. And everyone out there who's listening to this podcast, go go watch this movie. You know, we used to have an investigative reporter in town who only handled sports. His name was Fred Gerard, uh, And I'm guessing the reason Fred Gerard no longer works for the Detroit News is they just couldn't afford to have someone like that at the paper anymore because they screwed up the, biz- the business model so badly. And I said this right when the internet uh, started becoming popular, that these papers all should have gotten together and said, look, we're not going to give our product away for free. That the, the fact that we are able to read almost every newspaper in the world, they're at our fingertip disposal, a click away from reading every paper for free. And people are so snobbish about it or they don't even realize what they have. Like – Brian Manzullo, who I think we both really enjoy on Twitter, he's probably one of the smarter guys that works in the Detroit sports media. He works for the Free Press. He's a web page designer, I think, for the sports section. Even he the other day tweeted something out about don't don't have like um, audio and video on your website automatically pop up when when you go to a new web page. It's it's annoying people. Like, well, you know what? You're getting this product for free. If that's what you've got, you've got to hit mute to get all of this information at no charge. This guy works for a free – and I said to him, like, dude, you work for the free press, and and you're making this comment? I don't care what advertising they put up, what pop-ups. You're getting – and the same thing happened to the freaking music business, and they put a stop to it. You know, you could download everything you wanted on Napster. I would – I'm willing to pay – for the free press and the news and the Washington Post, charge me, but I want 
quality reporting and I want good investigative work being done because this is going away. And in sports, it's even more nefarious than anything else because it's being replaced by team-run websites. So we're not even going to – I mean, I don't know what we're going to have in 10 years. What we have now is bare bones. And it's just – it's just it's scary for our democracy. I'm not talking about sports. I know we're – you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying if you get something for free and they can't make enough money on the advertising, where are we going to be as a, as a republic or a democracy? And and you see teams you – know, we covered the Detroit Lions thing ad nauseum with silencing Valenti. We had his agent, Morton Meisner, on here. If, if Mike Valenti in 97-1, if the Lions are willing to spite themselves because they're so sensitive, it, just to go to a worse station than 97-1 for their own sake. A station that it, that is in ba- basically on the, on the brink of bankruptcy. To their be, own detriment. Because the Lions because don't want like criticism one, right. from Valente. They have entered into a deal with Cumulus Radio – and Cumulus has pretty much got one foot in the grave, Justin. They just got rid of Geraldo Rivero at KBC over, you know, over a bunch of bullshit because they're just cutting salary. The Lions, because of criticism, went to a, a pretty much a bankrupt station. And, and that's my point. If the Lions are willing to hurt themselves, hurt their own level of exposure because they're going to protect from criticism, they're definitely in other organizations as well going to do things that won't hurt them to mute certain reporters, revoking credentials, for example. So what you're getting into is you're getting into a movement where teams are going to have their own reporters, which we've already seen manifest itself. It's certainly in this town, it's a major problem where you have guys that are professional journalists sort of crossing the line into the abyss and and selling their souls, Tim Twentyman, Mike O'Hara, Keith Langloy. You know, that's what you're seeing. So that's going to continue, but you're also going to see sort of the death. And we're already – it's really – I think they're mortally wounded already, the, the typical common journalist. Like who's good in this town right now? Tony Paul. Look what's happened to Tony Paul. Tony Paul – and this is stuff on the record. Tony Paul has had his life made very difficult by the Detroit Tigers. He said openly, they don't like me. I the mean, Tigers went – The Tigers do I've not heard, like him. From what I've heard, the Tigers went to um, the Detroit News and said – we don't want him as the beat writer. I mean, that's that's just that's the facts, okay? Yep. And let me just take it one step further. When you don't have someone like Fred Gerard working for the Free Press or News as an investigative reporter doing sports, what you end up with is if there is some story that needs to be delved into or what a columnist or reporter thinks needs to be looked into further, you get a columnist like Michael Rosenberg, and we discussed this before the show in, in prep, Doing an investigation where he has no skill set to do so. He's a columnist. Investigating the University of Michigan over an issue he doesn't even grasp, which was completely, by almost all accounts now, a personal vendetta. Now, if you had a spotlight, which is the, the, the crew at the Boston Globe who investigated the Catholic Church, if you had some sort of Program like that, today, right? Yeah. If you had a sort of program with that with the, with the free press, they could have looked at uh, what was going on, and they probably would have said, "The fuck, we're not taking this story. There's nothing there." You know, you saw how Spotlight had, you know, they had protocol what they were going to research. They would have, they would have spent time saying, looking into it, and they never would have done anything which would have saved the free press a lot of embarrassment, saved Michael Rosenberg from himself. 
and a, a lot of one-star Amazon.com reviews of his horrid book, this is what we've come to. And if, you, if you're so happy that you're paying nothing to read the free press and news, you're getting what you're paying for. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. And, and Spotlight, you know, which was a very true-to-the-story film, was it made a great point early on in that they were backlogged. This unit was backlogged. They, it took them. Oh yeah, there was like four guys, yeah, like three, you know, oh, three women and a guy. They had they had a, a stack of stories that they were wrestling through, and they had to decide painstakingly which route to go, which was the most important, what was the most impactful, crucial story that we must deliver to the public. And there were some really good ones left on the cutting room floor. And that's we didn't get that with the free right. press. It was a, I don't like this coach. I don't like where my alma mater's going. I'm going to do whatever I How about I can this with the free press? Down. And we're going to get up this topic in one second. But the guy who took down Kwame, one of the two, ML Elric, he left for Fox 2. He's working now with people who might, may or may not pay their cleaning ladies the appropriate amount. I mean, they can't afford ML Elric, a guy who won a Pulitzer for, you know, discovering what was going on in the Kwame Kilpatrick administration. So it's it just really, it's really depressing. Well, and, and you know, we I mentioned Tony Paul, who is the other one that's respected in the state so highly is John U. Bacon, who's I would call an acquaintance of the site. And what happened to John U. Bacon when he was reporting on Michigan, both on his blog and in his books? He was ostracized from the as a, program as a member of the staff, and, and and had his credentials revoked. So you as at, a professor, right? At U of as, M, he's a U of M professor of journalism, right? And, and he has his his credentials revoked. So you look at who are the two biggest, you know, most brazen voices in this state, John U. Bacon and Tony Paul, and look what happened to both of them. And that's what these people are, afra- are afraid of. And frankly, I don't blame them, but at some point, there needs to be some level of anarchy where we say, you know what, we're going to be a journalist and we don't care, and you can't silence all of us. And they, they need to be backed by their editors, and they're not. A couple of interesting things about Spotlight, and we're going to go to your next topic that you want to talk about that I thought was interesting. One, the fact that Liv Schreiber played the um, publisher, or the uh, what editor-in-chief of uh, the Boston Globe at the time. Interesting casting considering in Ray Donovan, he played someone from Boston who got molested by a priest. I thought that was an interesting uh, juxtaposition. Two, if you're not familiar with um, The Wire or the fact that the, the director of Spotlight was an actor on The Wire playing Scott Templeton, the disgraced uh, journalist, at the Baltimore newspaper, who was making up stories kind of in a uh, uh, Mitch Album sort of <laughs> uh, uh, type of way. Um, so it, that, that was interesting. And I, there was another, well, Ben, the, the, the Ben Bradley Jr. tie to, you know, all the president's men. So it, I, like I said, I highly recommend Go See Spotlight. It's now in wide release. Uh, I can't give it any higher praise or a recommendation. Go see it uh, tonight before Star Wars comes out on Thursday night. You wanted to talk about Henson and blast him for a second? Well, briefly. You know, everyone – Greg Henson, that Greg is. Greg Henson, for yeah. the most part. Fr- yeah. Friend of the of the show. Friend, yeah. friend of the show, friend of the site, uh, former co-host of yours, and a guy that I've advocated for returning to Detroit in a program director role. So I don't hate Greg Henson, but let me tell you, this is Greg Henson – A is, gentleman who has a horrible cell phone, by he, the way. He yeah. is – that is true. His, uh, his service is always brutal. But Greg Henson is the sort of king of the Walmarts. You've declared him. I mean, I think that was your title for him. 
And I just want to address this sort of in a vacuum, but also extrapolate it to a bigger point. Greg Henson tweets today that Michigan State's official Twitter account was trolling Michigan for posting an article written by an ESPN writer on an ESPN blog and including the headline. Now, the headline was obviously a jab at Harb- Jim Harbaugh's, you know, whole, who has it better than us, nobody. Um, the, the headline of the article was, who's got it better in football and basketball than Michigan State? Nobody. ESPN blog, okay? And this, is, this was written by uh, Brian Bennett. Greg Henson sees the tweet, which was essentially, for all intents and purposes, a retweet of the Michigan, uh, on the Michigan State page of an ESPN article. They just copied and pasted the link with the headline. And he's accusing Michigan State of trolling the University of Michigan. And he has multiple people, myself included, pointing out there's no trolling here. They literally just posted the article with the headline. I mean, that's what they would do. And you, you go through the Michigan State account, that's what they do for every article. They, they, they never alter the headline. They always include what the headline of the article is. I mean, you scroll back the last 10 articles they posted. That's just their formula. They don't edit – You know, there's no commentary. It's a cult. Interjected. It's a cult. And Greg Henson is furious – He's going on a Twitter rant about this. It's insane. And, and you know, here's what I want to talk about. And Greg Henson's the perfect example of this. This is a guy who tweeted that he, quote, doesn't concern himself with Sparty on November 28th. They are adorable. Do me a favor, Greg, for your own sake, use that Twitter advanced search function and type in your name and the word Sparty and see how many times you've mentioned Sparty in the last month. Let's see. I'm counting about uh, 48. I, I mean, the the scrolling goes on and on. I'm sitting here scrolling on my MacBook, and it takes me about a full minute just to get through October. Okay, so and, and here's the thing: there's this sort of uh, there's this tenor from the Michigan fan base that Michigan State fans are obsessed with Michigan. Let me tell you, you know what? You guys are damn right. We sure are. You're obsessed with us as well, though, and that's the point that gets missed. This is how rivalries are. I think you should be obsessed with your rivalry, with your rival, I should say. Now, the difference is Michigan State was in an imbalanced way obsessed with Michigan for years. I had no denying that. Michigan was sort of, eh, whatever, Michigan State, we don't care about them. But since D'Antonio arrived, even before the turnaround, it's been pretty damn close to equal. And for Greg Henson saying he doesn't concern himself with Sparty, he has more tweets referring to Michigan State in the last three months than Michigan, and that's a fact. All I had to do was type in Sparty, and I got about 300 hits from the last. I mean, since the the warm days ended in August. So, look, I, I would get Henson on to respond to your attack, but it would sound something like this. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'd have better with one of those tin phones with a string. But I mean, it, it's just again. This isn't even an attack on Michigan fans in general. This is just an attack on both sides for acting like one side cares more about the other. They're both obsessed. Again, just the word Sparty, which doesn't include Michigan State, which doesn't include State, which doesn't include D'Antonio or a mention of Connor Cook. Henson, I believe, was on that bandwagon. of uh, Cook's awful for the way he accepted the MVP trophy at the Big Ten title game. Just the word Sparty. One word out of 100 that could be used to describe Michigan State and Greg Henson's account lights up like a Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. So you can say you don't concern yourself with Sparty. I think your Twitter account is, is protesting that point. And I think that's so typical of that fan base where they deny that they care and they care just as much as we do. And they hate, they hate that they have to 
look at Michigan State as a serious team. Greg Henson saying days before the kickoff to the Big Ten title game, I don't concern myself. They're adorable. They're adorable. They've had two top five finishes going into this year consecutively. They're about to be three in a row. Three consecutive top five finishes. At what point? They're a top five program. You are what you are. If you're top five three years in a row and you're going to be highly ranked the next year, you're a top five program. Not historically, but today. Michigan State's a top five program, and it's, uh, you can say it's adorable just the way Bohannik said the Royals were adorable before they went on a pennant run, and that's fine. You look stupid. All right, one last topic before we go to break, and we're going to just hit this real quick because we've got to figure out a way to give away. I guess you've got two extra tickets to the Cotton Bowl, uh, Michigan we, State. We may be giving away on the show. We may not. I don't know. We've got to figure out a, a good way All to right. do it. We're not, we'll we'll come back. We're going to have, as a guest— Ryan Schuling from 92.1 FM in Lansing. He also is the Michigan State uh, PA announcer for basketball. He's been had a lot of jobs that he's been fired from probably because of his relationship with me, including being the Grand Rapids White Cap, or West Michigan Whitecaps uh, color announcer. I don't know if he got fired because of me for covering Toledo ECHL hockey. We're going to have Ryan on after the break, and then I guess sometime after 6 o'clock, I guess we'll try to figure out how to give away Two tickets to the first playoff matchup between Michigan State. Well, that involves Michigan State, and they're going to be playing Alabama down in Dallas. We're not giving you plane fare. Uh, I don't know if there's any room in your and, RV. And, uh, Is there we, any room in your RV? Probably not. But I'll say this: uh, you have to pick them up from me down there because there's yeah. We're not we, giving we them like, away to you, to, to, so you to can sell. put them on put right. them on StubHub. These were these were tickets that were acquired. You fucking degenerates! We know what you will do. These, you derelicts! Just anyone to listening clear. to this program probably would sell their own mother for $150. So I'm sure what we would do we, if we just gave away these blindly, you will have to pick these tickets up from Spiro in the. Uh, state of Texas, right? Yes. Okay. Correct. All right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to have Ryan Schuling on to talk about uh, Deja Vu Strip Club, the hockey jockey, Detroit sports in general, maybe Michigan State basketball, and anything else he wants to talk about. This is a previously recorded episode. All right, we're back on the DSR podcast. Oh. Probably would be better if we just would have aired the commentary during the break. That would probably be the best show you could ever hear. Our guest now is a gentleman that is psychotic enough to put me on Lansing Radio once a week for between 15 and 20 minutes. His name is Ryan the Shoe Shuling uh, at 92.1 FM in Lansing. The ticket. Uh, welcome, Ryan, back to the uh, program. How you doing? Jeff, Justin, great to be with you guys. And, uh, yeah, people can catch Mondays with Moss every Monday like clockwork, uh, 92.1 in Lansing there. And you're usually on right around 1.30. I should say that this uh, this segment is brought to you by The Landing Strip. <laughs> uh, for all your strip club needs near Metro Airport, The Landing Strip is there for you. Please check out our gift store on the way out for all of your vibrator and dildo needs. <laughs> I really caught you off guard with that. Holy uh, cool. sponsorship, it, Let me tell you something. A lot. There's not a lot of things that make me speechless, but <laughs> I'm sitting there on hold after Alex, your producer, gets me on, and I'm listening to my intro, which includes Tony Paul lecturing at you on why you should never have had me on your radio show, and then mm-hmm. ra- Rage Against the Machine killing in the name of, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, and I'm listening, and you're saying that this next segment is sponsored by 
Deja Vu Strip Club. That that just kind of like shocked me. Yeah, even better, it's, uh, it's specifically the Love Boutique that's on board for this. So we're talking about, you know, oils and lotions and toys and all the things that you uh, know and love. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, that's a big that's a big hookup for you. I am glad, I'm proud of your uh, advertising team there that you could tie me into, you know, sex toys. I Do I get a discount? Absolutely, yeah. Jessica gets, go in and mention, promo code, Missed. <laughs> and Jessica, you can get <laughs> arrangement. Twenty five. You know, no holds barred. Uh, Jeff Moss, and then uh, no holds barred. Deja vu, love boutique. Yeah, we'll have to drive up on a road trip to Lansing for your discount. So I think by the time you get up there, oh. I think oh, yeah. kind of like the gas money. Can probably. I order online? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That'll be, that, sure. That's next week's segment. So, okay, R- Ryan, I, I got to ask. You've heard Taylor Phillips' work before, right? Absolutely, who, yes. Who has, who has the better radio voice between you two? Because, frankly, I, I, I might pay you to just record, like, for three hours and, and just put it on headphones and listen to you at night. Because you know how Bill Walton used to talk about Jason Kidd's eyes and strikingly green? I can't decide who I who I love more, Taylor Phillips or Ryan Schulian, in terms of that golden radio voice. I, I, do you have a girlfriend? Do you, do you, is this your normal voice? Is that how you talk, like, when you're walking around doing shit, like, at the grocery store? Like, hi, uh... Oh, like uh, paper for those groceries. I mean, you know, is this your real voice or is this an act? It's my real voice, man. I really appreciate that. And I'll tell you what, you might be able to somehow curry together uh, Taylor and myself with a duet. Uh, Maybe some some Christmas songs. Maybe get uh, together with uh, Forward Down the Field and all that. I think he was here last night. You know, Theo and I go way back. Detroit Lions hype man and I are are good friends. Wow, this is the most inside (laughs) we're working on ever. uh, Yeah, but the DSR is a big bubble, my friend. But uh, Okay, Ryan, uh, I know Moss has some things he wants to get get with um, right now. Do you yeah. want to start with this uh, DJ thing with Chewing? I think that's a good place. Well, we, we should mention that Ryan, among his other jobs, he is the uh, PA announcer, correct? First year for Michigan State basketball? That is correct. Okay, so last week, actually a week ago today, I posted an article on the DSR criticizing the Joe Louis Arena disc jockey who's been there since 1994, Tim Campbell, four-time... Stanley Cup champion disc jockey for the Red Wings. I wrote an article just saying basically that his playlist, his set list was awful. It was tired, cliched, pure garbage. And it seems that because you put me on the air, you're guilty by association. So T. Campbell came up to you at an MSU game and said, why do you have Moss on the air? Is, some, is, that, is that the story? Uh, basically nuts and bolts. That's exactly right. Uh, I get done with the PA announcing, but I think Sparrow's been in a game or two that I've done already. And, you know, I, I wrap up, please drive home safely, all that. And I'm just kind of taking all my stuff, walking away from press row. And this guy's kind of staking me out. You know, he's right by the entrance there where the team comes in. And I see he's a little fidgety. He's a little nervous. He's kind of averting eye contact. But as soon as I approach that tunnel, he cuts off my path, and I'm like, hi, how you doing? He's like, are you Ryan? I'm like, yeah, that's me. He goes, oh, Ryan, hey, yeah, just wanted to talk to you about your show. You know, I do the music here, and he goes into this long spiel and speech about how he's done it, like you just mentioned, for many, many years. 
Joe Lewis Arena. He's got minions here and there. He does hockey, too, for Michigan State at Mon. He does basketball, has for a long time at Breslin. And I just don't understand why you have to have Jeff Moss on there. I mean, he wrote a really nasty article about me. And he was, you know, he's very forlorn. He was very downtrodden. I felt bad for him. He was really affected by what you wrote. And I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, well, both you and me, Jeff, and Jeff and you too, we're in an area, a sphere, where people are going to take shots. They're not going to like everything you say. And so if you're a DJ playing music for everybody, there are going to be people that don't like your taste in music. And you've got to be able to roll up those punches, right? But no, he was like a wounded animal. And I could tell, like, this had been on his mind for some time. And to top it all off, he heard the segment. He purposely listened to Moss being on my show and was, like, reciting back to me the things that I said, agreeing with Jeff about him and Drew Miller. And then we lumped those two guys in together. And I went back, and I think one of our DSR guys pointed out that, no, Ryan didn't exactly say this the way that T claimed, but you know, T was very, very upset. Now, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where to begin with that that information. But you know, the fact that like you, that you would not be allowed to criticize Drew Miller because he played for the Detroit Red Wings and the Michigan State Spartans, and he's a member of the Miller Royal family up in East Lansing. That, right. that to me is like the I, I can understand someone saying, you know, why do you have this asshole Moss on? You know, he just insulted me. And took some personal shots, which I guess, I mean, it, it, his daughter and a co-worker of his or employee of his rushed to his defense on Twitter and came after me and said I was taking personal shots. The only thing I really said about the guy personally was that the character on his caricature on his website looked nothing like him. <laughs> and, the, and the only reason I even said that was I just thought it was funny. I don't think I was really attacking T. Campbell you know, personally, but I I can understand him like being upset about that, maybe even saying something. But like, you're not allowed to say anything bad about Drew Miller because he went to Michigan State. That reminds me of when you were on the high school radio station with me like 11 years ago, and you were ripping on Steve Mariucci, and the high school program director burst in the door and right. and, and says that you can't talk about Steve Mariucci that way because his son goes to the school and he's a member of the community. But this isn't a high school radio station. No, I mean, it's 92. Just... F, it's an FM radio station uh, in 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 in, you know, in a pretty big city, and, and this guy wants you to like, I guess, toe the company line. Uh, regarding Drew Miller. Well, and here's the thing. If I give Jeff, let's say I did, for whatever reason, I said, you know what? I got you, T. Don't worry about it. And I banned Jeff Moss from my radio show. Oh, wait a minute. That sounds familiar. That was the tip of the iceberg at my previous employer, which we won't get into too many details. But the problem that happens there is once you start conceding ground and giving down that path, People are going to come back and ask you for more and more because, well, hey, you already agreed to boot Moss off the air and Henson off the air, and why not this person? You can't have them on because we don't like their political stance on this issue. I've just drawn the entire conclusion that, you know what, I'm going to have who I want on my show. You might not like them. You might not agree with them. And guess what? That might make for good radio. And that's what I tried to explain to him was, go, you know what, there's no accounting for taste. Jeff Moss has his opinion. That's why his blog is popular. He expresses those opinions. Not everybody agrees with him. I go, I got a buddy for whatever reason actually likes T. Campbell's music, loves the fact that he plays two Billy Joel songs. 
in love with the fact that he plays Journey, Don't Stop Believing. And there are those people out there. But then, you know, the other side is going to be exactly what you expressed in the article, which is, look, you're playing the same notes time after time. You know, change it up a little bit. If anything, it was a public service to kind of make them aware that there are some people out there that might like something a little bit different. And maybe you did them uh, an actual favor there, Jeff. Well, and really, it comes down to just freedom of commentary. So people, right. are, people are allowed to comment on how much they like him, and, and he'll love that. But any, right. cri- any criticism, it's, it's not just, oh, I don't like the criticism. I don't think anybody really loves criticism, no matter what they might say. But to, to try to mute that in any way, and you look at we're, we're such the opposite of the DSR, where we are begging our haters to come on the air with us. We are mm-hmm. offering to publish on our blog, on our website, at the, the, the top of the main page, any rebuttal to anything we've ever written. As a matter of fact, I said to Campbell's daughter, look, if you don't like what I wrote and you want to defend your dad, because uh, she she wanted her own she wanted her own uh, time to respond. I'm like, I'll post whatever you and want. She and brought, she brought up, what if I wrote an article yeah. bombing you? Like, what would you think? And you said, I posted it. I posted it on the main page. She brought up the idea of writing the article. It wasn't even your thing. She no, said, like, what if I were to write an article? Go the fuck ahead. No one cares. I mean, that's it's freedom of commentary. We don't care if people don't like us. I mean, we'll respond to criticism we don't feel is legitimate. But I, I think, again, the guy loves when people sing along. But if you criticize the music song, election. Again, there was someone that made a good point. I I would like to give due credit. I can't remember who posted this, but someone wrote a little blog about it explaining how to most fans, if you're going, most of those fans going down there go to one or two games a Ryan year. Ryan Larimore, I think, okay, was a, thank friend you. Of, a friend of Shuling's. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Oh, I didn't realize it was a friend of Shuling's. So I, I think yeah. that, that was a good point. I think that's a valid point. It doesn't diminish the point of the people that go regularly and say this music sucks. I mean, it, I, I think it's a good argument in the DJ T. Campbell's defense, but it doesn't illegitimize anything that we have to say against the music selections. And again, it's been a theme on this show so far and really a theme of this entire website's existence existence is I don't like what you're going to say. You're not going to say it or there's going to be some repercussions. You're going to lose your job. I'm not going to appear anymore. You're going to lose access, whatever it may be. And and I, I applaud you for being one of the few with the balls to fight that and say, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's what I don't understand, guys. I mean, this is a whole overarching issue of people who become way too sensitive in this, in this country. And I know one of uh, Jeff's heroes and mine, I think yours too, Justin, is Howard Stern, who just renewed for five more years on Sirius. And, you know, I go back listening to this guy for over 20 years. I, what Part of what inspired me to get into this business was the movie Private Parts. When I watched him literally rage against the machine and buck up against the trend of all these handlers and advisors who are telling you to do cer- certain things a certain way. And I've had them too. I had him on the West Side, and this is totally independent of anything they didn't like about Moss or him being on my show or whatever, is that, well, you've got to talk about NFL so often and this, and the Lions, this, that, and the other thing. And they're doing that right now. They are doing that in the mornings in Grand Rapids. The Lions are garbage. They suck. They're playing for nothing. And I'll touch on them. I'll talk about them on my show, but I'm not going to do it at the expense of Michigan State in the college football playoff, Michigan State number one in the country in basketball. Those are just stories that deserve to be covered. I'm not just going to dwell on this one note. And that's kind of part and parcel of the whole business right now. And you're exactly right. People, they don't want to hear what they don't want to hear. And for T to be in this business, any role of this business, be it a DJ, be it an on-air radio host, anybody that's in the public sphere, you've got to understand that coming with that territory is going to be slings and arrows and criticism. And that's part of it. If you don't want that, 
have a private sector job. Don't be a public figure. To, to say that you can go through life, you know, try talking to Barack Obama about this, free of criticism. You don't have any negative commentary about you. What kind of dreamland is that? And that he's been doing it for 21 years and just now is, you know, absolutely up in arms over the fact that there was a negative article written, I I cannot comprehend that. And if you're not offending anybody on the air or in your column, if no one is upset with what you're saying, I don't think you're doing a good job. That's right. Well, and the funny thing is about about the hockey jockey is that he was blocking anyone on Twitter who was talking to me about him, even if they weren't mentioning him. Like I was getting, I had like ten people say I've never interacted with this guy, and I'm how about blocked? Like that is, I mean, it's one thing, you know, it's one thing. I don't believe in blocking. Look, if someone's really annoying, you might mute them, or maybe the most. I don't, I don't understand why you'd block anyone because if you're posting links to your radio show, Ryan, or I'm posting links to my article, why would I want to block anyone? Because that's just one less person who seems right. to be interested in in you, you know, in some respect. Who doesn't have, uh, you know, access to your content anymore? So I don't understand him blocking this guy who's blocking people who just were talking to me about him. That never that to, that is a thin skinness that I just I can't even contemplate until you told me that he came up to Dude. you and and, <laughs> I mean, and said I mean of all the people in the world you just said to me okay who came up to you and said don't put Jeff Moss on your radio show on Mondays at one thirty? I'd probably come up with about five hundred people before the DJ. At the Red Wings game. we, we got to keep a list. There's at least 40 people that, that have gone up to people confronting how many about people, the relationship yeah, How many people you? just since Lansing have said, why, are you, why do you put Moss on? Well, you know, there are people that are outward about it and, and those that are not. I'll, I'll give Key credit for this. I mean, he came right to my face, man to man, looked me in the eye, told me he had a problem with it. You know, and I, while I disagree with the premise... I at least respect the fact that he handled it that way. He hasn't blocked me on Twitter yet. I'm a little surprised by that, but then again, if he did block me, I would probably say something on my show, and and that would blow back on him in a a pretty large degree. But, I mean, here's another thing, too. I'm sure you're going to be – after this airs, I'm sure sure you're – how about it right about now? Yeah, well, you know, my loss. But I don't – look, I have nothing. I told him this. I said – I have nothing personal against you or the music you play. You know, there might be some fun things that Jeff's poking at that, you know, there might be some agreement on, but those are his opinions. I have mine. I have him on the show, not because he agrees with every single opinion I have or vice versa, but because he has a take. It is strong. It is usually uh, well-documented with evidence. I mean, heck. Well, first of all, you don't don't agree. And wrote down all the songs. Well, you don't agree with, I mean, just because you have me on the air doesn't mean you agree with everything that I'm, I'm talking about you're just giving me you know a forum to hopefully entertain your audience and if you know you take it or leave it hell my own wife disagrees with 90 percent of the shit that comes out of my mouth so i'm not expecting you you know to just rubber stamp everything but you know nobody in this town because they're all they don't want to give me any more credence and they don't want to give me any more publicity than they already have they won't put me on the air so i the closest i can come to getting radio play in the state is 60 miles away uh right. you know so i do I, I greatly and as i said on twitter many times i greatly appreciate the opportunity but uh I, I, quick question about t when he's at michigan state the basketball games are at Mon during the hockey games do we get a lot of third eye blind and lit and you're unbelievable 
there's a little bit of overlap. And, and to be quite frank, I think everything that you documented and the playlist that you put together that he, he had probably plays a little bit better to a Michigan State basketball crowd. Because what do you have? You have a lot of alumni. They're a lot older, I think, maybe even than the typical Red Wings fan crowd. It's a, it's a bit more conservative. And I think when he plays, plays well to that and the reactions that he gets. And, and he's probably just, he's gotten to a point, everybody gets like this as an artist, if you want to call it that. I mean, he's been in the business 21 years. He knows what Four rings, works. four rings. Don't forget yeah, that. Don't forget his four resume, four-time four Stanley and, and Cup look, champion. Does he take credit for the 2000 Michigan State Basketball Championship, too? I mean, probably yes, right? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> what were you saying? I couldn't hear you. Do you have four non-blondes? What's going on? <laughs> I'm, 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 just catching up. I'm just catching up on the episode where Chandler uh, and um, <laughs> Chandler and, song, yeah. where, where Chandler and Joey uh, have to switch or end up getting Monica and uh, Phoebe's room, and they have to switch. <laughs> I'm just catching. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just hold on a second. Okay, Ryan. You that. know, Ryan. You mentioned the sensitivity of people in general, and I think that's something we're seeing uh, Donald Trump and the political spirits tapping into, where people are rebelling against that. Almost, I would say, not even almost, way too far to the other extreme, where we're going right, to offend right. everybody. But I, I think it extends beyond media members and fans and DJs at arenas. I think you see the effect it has on teams. The Lions being the, the chief example, but you see it throughout. We're in New York. You have the New York Jets who are extremely sensitive about what the media says, that they're trying to win the headline and win the front page. And the Giants just don't give a shit about what the media says, and they're going to do what they want to do regardless of criticism. The media wanted Tom Coughlin fired two separate times, each leading up to Super Bowl championships. They just Mm -hmm. don't care. They they just have high self-esteem. The New England Patriots certainly don't give a shit about what anybody says in the media. Look at their success. In baseball, you see the St. Louis Cardinals. They don't care about the headlines. They don't care about the paper. They don't even care much for media relations. They'll be polite, but they don't care what you say. They're going to do what they're going to do. And you see the high self-esteem organizations succeed at high levels because they're not affected by the sensitivity issues that are plaguing so many. I think it's something you see with teams, and I don't know what your experience is dealing with teams. I know it's, you know, you have a different experience maybe than most of the guys in the Detroit media, but couldn't I argue that this is something that's affecting the operations of teams as well, this hypersensitivity? Justin, you're right on the money. And I have worked in media relations at both the, the college level, at Florida Atlantic, some to, to some degree at Central Michigan. And the biggest thing I can say is just toughen up. And if you get criticism, imagine this. Imagine if instead... P. Campbell read the article and he laughed about it and he had fun with it and he bantered back and forth with Moss on Twitter about it. What happens to the story? What happens to the criticism? It's muted in large regard because people are going to look at him and go, you know what? He's secure in who he is. He kind of takes the shot to keep rolling with him. And, and you even gain a little bit more respect for him because, yeah, like you said, he's going to do what he's going to do. We might hate it. We might poke holes in it. We might criticize it. But he's been doing it 21 years. He's won four Stanley Cups and he doesn't care what we think. That's great. But when you start showing a vulnerability and a weakness to criticism, people are going to pick up on that, and you're going to manifest your problems tenfold with even water. more criticism because you can't take it, and you appear weak. That's the biggest thing that you can't do. Inspire exactly right, especially when you're a team, if you're the Lions, and you start showing that you're sensitive to criticism, 
and you've got your media relations director diving into the sand for 25,000 yard balls or whatever instead of focusing on. He got the wrong ball. He got the wrong ball, Keenan. How were there, how were there, how were there really? two balls up there? I don't even get that. I don't know, but he got the wrong ball. I mean, is that anything? <laughs> is that even possible? How are two game footballs in the oh, same Hold on a second. What's better, that he got the wrong ball? Or that Dave Burkett had to write an article in the free press today that he got the wrong ball. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we can laugh about it. We've grown up. We've we've lived with this for so long. But it's like if I mean, the Lions just trying to pretend like they can ignore criticism or that they're immune to it or that we don't have a right to do it or they're going to punish or limit access to anybody that would think to criticize or they're going to call the cops on Jeff Moss because of uh, some kind of cartoon or crazy. What is this? You know, when in America did we shy away from embracing debate in a public forum and duking it out in the battle of ideas? When did that become taboo where all we can do is be politically correct and not hurt people's feelings? I mean, it's an absolute sickness at this point. Uh, You've had the uh, absolute pleasure to share a uh, press conference room with the likes of Scott Anderson and Mitch Album being a part of the media. Can you explain what that's like? Wow. Um, how much time do we have? You know, Gator, I have nothing personal against. I will say to this day that one of the saddest things I've ever seen on video was him kicking that blow-up doll when he was honored, having won the DSR bracket from a year ago. And he's a, he's a stalwart champion in every regard. Um, to be in the same media room, you know, Gator, he's, he doesn't have like this elevated sense of self or ego, like he's bigger than he is. I don't get that from him. How could you have an elevated self that you're bigger than he is at his size? (laughs) Well, uh, literally, very difficult. Exactly. I'm sorry. You were talking about... Uh, Album, on the other hand, I mean, it's not even just me. It it could be some of the other well-known media members. If you watch John Neal or Dave Burkett or Josh Katzenstein or, or anybody in that room, they kind of know you're supposed to keep your distance from Mitch. And I, I just don't... I don't get that. What? I mean, he just what? Well, I mean, he kind of shows up whenever he wants, but you don't ever see—I haven't, at least—people interacting with Mitch. It's almost like this bubble that's around him, and he's sitting there, and he does his press conference stuff, and he leaves. But he—he he is not like a glad hand. Hey, how you guys doing? We're all the same. No, no, no. And you know, he's kind of been that same way at Tigers games too. And I've been at Comerica Park. And, you know, each to each their own, and it kind of fits the description I've uh, been told about and people that have worked with him in the past. I know a, a very good friend of mine was a, a salesperson at WJR and it's just one of those things. I mean, you know, Mitch is Mitch and he's kind of on his own little Island and, and I don't know. I, it's very different for instance, than when I ran across Ernie Harwell, you know, in a uh, corridor outside the stadium or something, he'd give anybody the time of day. It didn't matter who it was. And pretty funny that he obviously didn't learn anything from, writing a play about Ernie Harwell's life, uh, you know, maybe take away the fact that, oh, this guy's a magnanimous guy no matter how famous he is nationally. Uh, I, he, he could mix with the, uh, the common folk. As a matter of right. fact, when I started my website, one of the most shocking emails I ever received was from Ernie Harwell, who sent me a, a, um, a nice note, Believe it or not, saying keep up what you're doing. I, I enjoy what you're uh, writing. That, that to me, probably in the top five shocking moments of my life, getting an email from Ernie Harwell telling me that he enjoyed my work. But I think some of that at that point, I think he was on the outs with Illich because he had been, um, or I don't know who was the outs with. If it was 
if it was Monahan and Shemba, I don't even remember. Right, but there right. was something where they, you know he wasn't. I don't think he was covering the Tigers at the time. I don't think he was doing the, the games. I think maybe Risen Rathbun at, at at that time. And I, whoever I was criticizing, I think uh, kind of fell in line with his uh, his position. So, but that was a pretty interesting email uh, from Ernie Harwell to to me, uh, the Antichrist. Well, I mean, fame affects people in different ways. And Mitch Album, you know, whatever you say about his work and who it appeals to is one of the most successful authors in the last uh, decade or more, two decades now. And as he rested on those laurels, you could say to a large degree he has. I think he's lost a lot of journalistic credibility, and that's amongst his peers as well. But then you have somebody like Ernie Harwell, and you mentioned the note that he sent you, Jeff, and that doesn't surprise me. I mean, he would reach across all spectrums. Just a brief story, a buddy of mine, a real close friend of mine who's now the football play-by-play guy for Grand Valley, he wrote letters, this is going back to the late 90s now, to every single major league broadcaster. This is before email was big and all that or whatever. And there were only two guys that wrote him back, and it would shock you to know that it was Ernie Harwell and Vin Scully, probably the two best baseball broadcasters maybe ever. And yet these other kind of lower-tiered broadcasters thought that they were too big you know, their shit doesn't stink, and they can't reach out to a, a, a lowly little college student writing to them. But yet, Vin Scully and Ernie Harwell found the time. It's just, it's fascinating the difference. And you're right to point out the irony in that Mitch Album studied intimately what Ernie Harwell was all about to the point where he has, uh, you know, a play about Ernie Harwell, and yet maybe doesn't enact some of those same personality traits. And you invoke the concept of Mitch Albom's lacking credibility, and everyone obviously harkens back to the days of Jason Richardson and Mateen Cleaves being at a basketball game that they weren't. But it really extends beyond that. Moss has covered in great detail Matthew Stafford's conflict of interest with Mitch Albom. He has donated a large sum of money to charities that Mitch Albom heads up. And now, lately joining the fray, I mentioned this the other day, Jim Harbaugh is now involved in Mitch Albom's charities, which is great. For the record, we're not criticizing in any way uh, Mitch Albom being involved with charity or these guys giving money to his charity. I think it's a great thing. But the problem is Mitch Albom then goes and writes glorifying fluff pieces about both Stafford and Jim Harbaugh. At least Jim Harbaugh hasn't come under much fire, and rightfully so. He's done such a great job. But Stafford is a very polarizing figure in town, and Mitch Album can always be counted on to show up once a week during football season with a fluff piece about him. So, I, again, there's no issue with uh, participation in the charity, but you have to recuse yourself from commentary. Certainly, Mitch Album talks more about Stafford than anyone, always in glowing terms. And, again, it just speaks to the total lack of credibility that he has. It's tough, and it's funny you bring that up because I just had a, a conversation with Tony Paul uh, about some things that he covered, and where do you draw the line as a journalist, and when does it cost you access or favor? And, you know, the whole premise of Deadspin, and in a lot of ways what you guys do at DSR, is you don't give a damn. You don't care, you know, whether people grant you credentials or access. Now, I've got to kind of mine that a little bit more carefully, and especially now that I do public address for Michigan State. Anything that I say on my show, those opinions are my own, and I uh, have absolute authority over them, but... Do I have to be careful in terms of inside information I might come upon just as close as I am to the action with Michigan State basketball? Yeah, I do have to be a little bit careful. And I think Tony Paul will tell you himself that he's met resistance, maybe because of some of the work that he's done journalistically. And, and you, we all agree here that he's one of the best writers in town. And why is that? Because he writes the truth and he exposes and, and produces daylight upon topics that need to be exposed. And some of that came with the Michigan State softball story. and. 
Uh, I don't know. I, I just think there's a, there's a lot of negative uh, blowback that can come upon a journalist just doing their job and doing it well. And to me, that's not right. And if that costs Tony, for instance, uh, the beat for the Detroit Tigers, or he doesn't go down to spring training, or he's not covering them in depth or in detail because they don't like the fact that Tony's honest in his reporting, i got a big problem with that. Well, that's uh, where we are at as a society, and we talked about that in the opening segment. You can listen to Ryan every Monday through Friday on 92.1 FM in Lansing. I post links to uh, the Listen Live version of that program on the Internet ad nauseum, so you can check my feed. I am on Mondays from uh, 1.30 to usually about 1.50 talking about the weekend's events, and I will be doing that hopefully <laughs> – if nothing uh, changes in the next 96 hours based on this interview uh, in a few days. And there might be some uh, interesting tidbits about Mitch Album. Mahir um, Bahatnagar and myself have, uh, have some uh, hijinks in the works. So you might want to stay tuned and uh, c- continue reading the DSR to see uh, where that leads. Thanks a lot, uh, Ryan, for putting your career again at, at risk and discussing these topics with Justin and myself. Anytime, guys. I'm numb to it by and now. I, and I hope to see you Thursday. I hope you get down uh, to the uh, killer event and, uh, you know, you can be more of a pariah by hanging out with me at that party where, you know, and get, you know, leers from Chris Officer Brady McCoskey and, uh, I don't know, <laughs> Drew Lane and Mickey Redman. Although Mickey Redman has no clue who I am, but... <laughs> I, I hope uh, that I, would be fascinating, and I'll do everything I can. You to need be there. you need to get down because it's quite it's quite a shit show. Thanks, Ryan. We will. I'll talk <laughs> to you. Great, I'll talk to you Monday, and if not, hopefully sooner on Thursday night at the the lodge in Kigo. We will be back. Yeah. We will be back to talk a little more about the the Killer Kowalski charity event on Thursday. I don't know what else. My computer died, so I, I don't know what else we're supposed to talk about. Let me see here. I'll let me pick up. See if I got it on my my iPhone here. My notes. I know. I know we're having Pistons insider Jasper Apollonia calling in in about twenty minutes, so we're looking forward to that. We haven't really even touched on the Pistons in about a month. A couple of questions I have for Jasper. He knows more about the NBA than anybody I know, and certainly has been the only guy I know that has stood loyally behind the Pistons during the dark days uh, to the point of. of uh, Almost disturbing obsessions. So. Oh, we got to talk about the Cotton Bowl tickets. We'll come back and talk about the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, tickets. we'll figure. We got to figure. Killers out, partying. Yeah. How we're going to deal, deal? All right. Deal with that. So we'll go to a break, and we will be back in a couple minutes uh, with your chance, maybe, to win some tickets to see Michigan State Alabama live from uh, the Jerry Jones Stadium down in Dallas. This is a previously recorded episode. We are back on the DSR podcast. Thursday, oh, excuse me, Tuesday, December 15th. I don't even know what fucking day it is at this point. Well, that was a pretty interesting segment with the shoe. He's very forward. I mean, again, that's why we like him. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I, he that guy's not on in Detroit, and we've got people like Mark Fellhauer and Drew Sharp. Not I mean, only not on in Detroit, but minimized by peers in his own market. You know, trying to be minimized anyway. He's sort of risen above it, but. Again, this is what we were talking about earlier. I said you look at who are the two outspoken journalists that aren't afraid. It's Tony Paul and John Ubacon. Both had consequences associated with their truth. And it's the same thing with Ryan Schuling, 
where he's an honest guy and he gets confronted by a DJ at work. He he get he loses a job over it. Has his bottom line affected and threatened? So you know, again, this is this is what we're talking about, and it just proves our point. And, and if Tony could speak frankly, I, I think he would say a lot of what Ryan did is there's a there is a consequence and danger with being truthful. And again. Ryan Schilling isn't Howard Stern. This guy isn't Opie and Anthony back in the day when they were making fun of people jumping out of the Twin Towers on 9-11. This is a guy who's pretty, like, just kind of says how it is. And he's, I, don't, I don't think he's controversial. But even being— Well, for, 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 for this market— For this market, yeah. he is. The fact that but he even talks a, to me is he, controversial. He's not, he's not what I would consider controversial. I don't consider Tony Paul controversial. I consider him honest. I consider them honest people. They, they say what they think. What they think is not unreasonable. Tony Paul is an openly gay man. And, and what? I, 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 right, right. I just outed him. Tony Paul is an openly gay man, a, a guy who has been a great champion for uh, op- openness and outness in an era where it's still just now becoming accepted. But he sees Tory Hunter saying "fag" in the clubhouse, making saying this and that's gay. Well, he didn't say that, did he? Uh, well, when he says Tory Hunter was making uh, slur, did he not? Am I making oh, I that know. up? I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty I, sure. I that's, think he was just giving his political views. But well, right, we'd have to have him out. Yeah. Either way, whatever it is, I mean, you're just saying what you're what you're seeing, and, and right. the fact that there's such a great consequence associated with that is really a, a tragedy from a journalistic standpoint. So, in 16 days, Michigan State will be playing Alabama two versus three in the NCAA playoff. You and your very pregnant wife will be heading down in an RV because she can't even fly there. So you're dragging her down there uh, in a very dangerous fashion in a vehicle that you've never driven, uh, putting your wife's life and your soon-to-be daughter's life in danger just so you can watch Michigan State, Alabama live. You have two extra tickets, and you're willing to give those tickets away. Obviously, you're not play, paying for a plane fare or you're not offering a ride in the RV. I can't blame you because anyone listening to this could be a dangerous person, and you probably don't want to spend 14 hours driving with them or however long it takes to get to Dallas. But you're willing to give two tickets. What's the, what's the value of these, uh, these particular ducats? Well, well the, the face value is 150 each. Uh, the reason why I, I'm so gung-ho about giving them away is I have a – a moral conscience to where I, I don't feel right selling something that I acquired for free. And we ended up, uh, we put in a few requests through family and through a uh, connection I have with the athletic department for tickets. And one that said we were pretty much zero chance to get any ended up getting us two. Uh, so we had two more than we expected. Um, and uh, we had to pay for the ones that uh, I took, but the, the four, but uh, the two that we got for free, um, I'm in a group. I want to sit with my group, so I'm going to give them away. I got them for free. I'm going to give them away. Uh, we don't really know how we're going to do this yet, but before we get into that, I want to contest this idea that I'm putting my wife in any danger. She, the reason why we're taking the RV is because she wanted to go as a proud Spartan alum herself. If she didn't want to go, I'd be on the plane in two seconds. Much prefer to an RV and much cheaper as well. But she is a proud Spartan, and I will say she well proud Spartan. She's Miss Michigan State for Christ's sake. Miss Michigan State 2010. We're not going to get into that too much because. No. Uh, but you know, I, I'll say this: the the Cotton Bowl last year, same thing. It was New Year's Eve. It wasn't the college football playoff, but it was New Year's Eve, and I was in Arlington with a DSR contributor on the forums, Jamie Gorman, and I spent New Year's Eve away from my wife, which she was nice enough to let me do. Doing that two years in a row. Are you driving uh, this thing? 
I driving the RV? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. in part. I'm sharing it with two other guys. I've seen you drive a car. You're not good at that. That's true. That's true. Jessica, the guy drives 95 to 110 miles per hour on the expressway while texting. Sometimes. Seriously? Sometimes. I've never been in a car with you on an expressway you were, where you were not blowing by the speed limit by at least 15 to 20 miles while you were reading Facebook, Twitter, and sending SMSs. You look like Roger Dorn in Major League when they take their, the shit-ass <laughs> shit plane where they're trying to just break oh, their spirits. Got, he's got the thing. Uh, he's <laughs> got the uh, thing where he's sleeping. Oh, what do you, what's that thing you put on your eyes when you're trying to sleep? He's it's wearing called the, a sleep mask. Sleep, sleep mask. Yeah. He's wearing he just, that. He he's shoots like, up. Is looking around like what the freaking fuck? Out. <laughs> plane, that plane was taped. The wing was taped up with duct tape. I would have felt more safe. Is that in a fire alarm? She's playing an effect. No. She's playing an effect? Yeah. I don't know. She's playing a drop. This but no, I that, didn't. that plane was <laughs> more safe thing. than driving in a car with this so maniac. Your, your wife is driving, right? Or your no. friend is driving, no, like you're I'm, not driving? Me and two other guys are driving. Uh, it'll be a good trip. Now, do you, um, dr- you drive around with Jeff like that just because it's Jeff? But, I mean, I would think your pregnant wife and your unborn child Please probably do not, not text do and that. drive an RV. That's all I ask. <laughs> all right, I I'm asking Lynn, take the fucking iPhone away from him. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn might be listening to this, too. So can you, you imagine? Can speak directly it's not even Lynn, dying just... over, like, an important message. He's, like, he's on the... The DSR message board <laughs> posting while driving his Range Rover at 99 miles per hour on 96. I, I I'm sure I will I will end up dying one day going to a Tiger, Red Wing, or Piston well, game Well, maybe you him. should start driving. He has the last I, couple of times. Oh, yeah. I've been <laughs> He's driving. actually insisted, well, I've, I've insisted on driving, okay? Well, I would, too. We've already, we've already reached that point. Note to self, don't uh, don't ever get in the car with Justin because you may or may not die going 100 the, miles oh, By the hour. way, the last time we were, I was in a car with him, we were heading to East Lansing, and he blew by a cop at like, I don't know, what, 105 miles per hour? Mm-hmm. And instead of slowing down, he sped up to about 115, <laughs> and I said, why are you speeding up? And he said, well, he already clocked me at 105. I'm trying to get away from him. We're only a mile away from the Okemos exit. I felt like I was driving with Smokey and the fucking Bandit. <laughs> Wait, what were we doing? I'm an erotic Jew, okay? What, what were we doing in East Lansing? Why don't I remember this? We were going to pick up your jersey. Oh, yeah. The, the, Lenning, the Henning <laughs> Sucks jersey. Sucks. Oh, by the way, that. the reason we were going to Lansing, he came to town. He flew in from Chicago to Detroit. But he had sent this jersey, a Tiger jersey, trolling a member of the Detroit sports media mm-hmm. to his apartment in East Lansing. So to troll Lynn Henning, a writer for the Detroit News, we drove at speeds of 120 miles per hour while he was texting on an iPhone. Not a BlackBerry where it's easy to text. No, an <laughs> iPhone. We risked our lives to troll Lynn Henning. That's how pathetic our lives are. He just feels the need for speed. I got us to that ball game on time. You're still alive, right? Yeah. No, I, okay I don't then. know. This could be lost, and we could be in purgatory. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I, th- th- my life has to be some sort of purgatory. The best was when I uh, I was texting and driving years ago, and I, I ran a red light, uh, and I got sideswiped on uh, uh, what's it? Old, right at Old Woodward in Birmingham, and I got. You know who hit me? It was uh, three nuns. What? what? I got hit by three nuns, sideswiped. And you were uh, texting and driving? And fo- uh, <laughs> maybe I was, yeah. 
Yes, I was. But so you didn't cause it though. Oh, I did. Oh, I ran. I ran the light, and I got oh. T-boned. Oh uh, my god! And they, these ladies are in the full nun garb too. I mean, it was it was seriously like out of a that's movie. That's really intimidating. Step out of the was car. Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> yelling at you. No, for they were all they were all, they were elderly. She been singing cuss words at them. You know what's funny? Right next to my parents' street, there's a retirement home for nuns, and that's where they were going. I mean, this happened like a mile and a half from my parents' house, uh, wow. where I still lived at the time. I was like 17, but uh, yeah, that's I, I've had some bad experiences on the road. I'll say that. Yeah, but that's. I have had some shocking. interesting interactions with the cops really i mean i i've had the cops show up at my house two different times saying uh, to my dad uh, one time that uh your son is um we're searching for your son on a hit and run charge which was it was a, a police mistake believe me uh, but it was they it was a long story and then another time for uh, allegedly harassing the uh andrew singler's uh, ex-girlfriend uh who basically got him killed but i've had the cops sh- <laughs> i've had cops showing up at my dad's house Saying, "Hey, we're looking for your son on multiple occasions." So it's, I really put uh, put my family through the ring. Right, so how are we going to get these tickets away? Your idea was, anyone who shows up at the Tom Killer Kowalski, the Killer Christmas at That's, the lodge. Yeah, I love this. Let me let me let me sell it. And this you is can my, sell this it. is where I'm at right now. And I'm not sure this is how we're going to do it, but I, I wanted to incorporate it some way into a DSR bit, something we could actually use, you know, not just last time for 2013, the Big Ten Championship game in Indy. We just did Spartan trivia on a podcast, had people call in, guest, whatever. That's how we handled it. I want to make this an actual DSR bit. I want to make it a functional bit where this we have this great event coming up in two nights from now, Thursday night, the killer Christmas party, holiday party, whatever you want to call it. Almost the entire Detroit media will be there. Many, many, many enemies of the DSR. Want me to give you a list of some people? Go ahead. Okay, these are going to be the celebrity bartenders who are scheduled to attend. Sean Belisian, uh, Jamie Edmonds, ML Elric, Mark Fellhauer, uh, the Gold family from American Jewelry and Lone Hardcore Pawn. I'm sure Killer is probably rolling over at his grave that those people are going to be there. The Hammer, uh, Drew Lane. Charlie LaDuff, Pulitzer Prize winner, Dan Miller, John Neo, Paula Pash, Jamie Samuelson, Wojo, Woody Woodruff. So plenty of media members. Pretty much the Jeff Moss block list. So, and, and many that hey, were listen, not on that Some list. of those people followed me, including uh, the lovely Jamie Edmonds of WDIV. Well, and that's terrific. Who I the spent point- New Year's last year at the Joe Mears. I, I don't know. One more that- person is going to be there who I didn't mention. Who's that? Yuri Fisher. Former Yuri, Detroit Red Wings. Yuri Fisher? Yeah. Have I told you my Yuri yeah, Fisher story? Yuri, Yuri, Yuri Fisher, Fisher is, is a bad, bad man who abuses his son. And uh, whoa, I, whoa, 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 yeah. But it's not, it's not slander you, if it's if it's the truth. Oh, wow. So okay. maybe, maybe, maybe the the son of his that is in counseling uh, weekly because of the way he treats his wife and his son. Uh, well, can, this charity event just took a bad maybe, 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 maybe we, maybe we can get his, Maybe we can get Yuri Fisher's nine-year-old son as a guest to testify what it feels like to have his dad hit him uh, in front of his mother and threaten his mother uh, with death if she intervenes. Um, that's that, Justin Spiro speaking, not Jeff Moss. That's oh, that's all, fine. It's all litigation to... Justin Spiro in uh, Rochester, Michigan. Uh, you know, I, I would welcome that because truth is the absolute defense of slander and libel, and that is the absolute truth that his son is in counseling for those very things, and it, it's tragic, and he's he's a bad guy. But they, going back to the contest, <laughs> wait, it, th- there's the- only the DSR could have a segment trying to promote a charity where a father is just thrown under the bus for supposedly abusing physically or mentally. Oh, both. 
Both. Yeah, that's great. That's that's Both. a if, if you if that's a DSR right and there. We're not talking about this in one incident. This is this is an ongoing thing. Okay. Um, so but, what's your idea for the give and take? Well, it's funny. I, I know I know a former uh, really the reason I know a lot of this stuff. I know someone that was good friends with Yuri Fisher when he died on the bench, and she likened it to he said he was a great guy. He lost his soul when he died on the bench. Like just he was a different person. He became a really angry, resentful guy after losing his career and became an abusive husband and father. But uh, again, I, I've tried. Are we to, still on this topic? But uh, Jessica, I, I just wanted to. I wanted to just help me. give a little Please. light. Into yes. Throw me a rope. Switch what? it to something else. <laughs> no, we're, but my, I'm getting back to this contest, which, I mean, you brought up Yuri Fisher. I, I, you know how I feel about Yuri. So uh, that's, I, I, I blame you. But I just given the full background. I, I got to color in the drawing. Okay. How are we going to give away the Michigan my, State no, my, This ticket. is just my idea. I'm spitballing okay. was to have people at this event. The opportunities are endless. There's about 100 funny opportunities for photo ops with different people there. I don't know. They could get a picture holding up a Jeff Moss printed out article with Scott Anderson giving the middle finger, you know, whatever, just something like something funny. Someone would use that as a dartboard because universally, like people just really dislike you, Jeff. Yes. Well, that's what I mean. That, that there's plenty like of people. You. It's just a matter like of getting you. someone to take a photo. That's, that's the challenge. You're like but, one of my favorite assholes. <laughs> there's got to be something. To, if someone <laughs> no. submits these to Detroit Sports Rag, send it to DetroitSportsRag at gmail.com or tweets it at us at Jeff Moss DSR. Well, I, think, I think whoever gets the tickets has to be in attendance Thursday. And they've got to, I don't know, I don't know, we'll figure something out. But by midnight, I think, on Thursday night, we got to give the tickets away. I mean, assuming that you've got to be, there's got to be an, ex- there's got to be an acceptable. Okay, so you got to take some sort I of mean, picture, yeah, picture or something. That's we're not, not going to give them away if there's something not for a, main a, for main page fodder. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. It doesn't, so have, it doesn't be, have to be. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to like hurt someone or do no, something no. awful. It's just a funny. Give you a funny picture. I say you've got to be in attendance at the killer party on Thursday. You've got to make some sort of donation, whether you buy some tickets, um, you know, raffle tickets or something, right? Would you can buy drinks. Even buy I mean, drinks. Yeah, yeah whatever. Pay tips. Some sort of donation to Killers Charity. And if you come there Thursday, you will be eligible for two tickets to the Michigan State. Alabama game. I'll put that on the website to get more people out there. Once again, it's Thursday between 6 and 2 in the morning at the Lodge in Kego on Orchard Lake Road, uh, just past Ca- between Cass Lake and Middle Belt there. Uh, they're going to have valet parking. You're going to have a lot of the Detroit media. People, those are just the celebrity bartenders, uh, people who are, in a, there's, there's other people who will be in attendance from the Detroit media. A lot of the DSR people will be there if you want to come up and say hi to Spiro or myself. Um, or, you know, there's going to be a lot of DSR people there. So look forward to seeing you Thursday between 6 and 2 in the morning with a chance from, from us. Just make a donation, show up, do something entertaining, and you might get two tickets to go see Michigan State, Alabama, New Year's Eve in Dallas. We will be back. Our last segment, we're going to call up Jasper Apollonia, our Pistons insider, uh, Syracuse Senior, who will be moving to Los Angeles next year to try to become the next Ryan Field. He will be on next with us to talk about your Detroit Pistons. This is a previously recorded episode. All right, we're back. Last segment of the DSR podcast for December 15th. Before I forget, next Tuesday, because it'll be your last show live, although our next guest will be in studio filling for you on the last episode of the year. 
Mr. Jasper Apollonia. But next week, because uh, you know I, we we need to do this while you're in town, the DSR Raggies will be announced. The year-end awards for the Detroit Sports Media and Detroit Sports. We do it every year, usually on the website, but uh, because of this wonderful podcast from Ferndale Podcast Detroit, we'll do it live. Maybe even try to get some of the winners. Jessica's going to – she might call in with the flu next week because – Why? Time. What's going to happen? We might call some people who don't like us. And... I don't care. Okay. <laughs> do I look like I'm easily no, you, offended you, to you no, at all? <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't look – as Coach Jim Schwartz once said, you don't look scared. I'm not at all. You don't look scared. It should be amusing. All right, Jasper. We have popcorn. Jasper, DSR, elite member, uh, Syracuse, uh, soon-to-be graduate – Heading towards Los Angeles to uh, have the uh, career of one Ryan Field is my prediction. Uh, how are you doing, Jasper? Oh my God, uh, terrible! Uh, I've, I've got uh, twelve pages of, uh, of a research essay I need to write by one p.m. on Thursday. Uh, uh, I, you, I realized you... I have to take uh, twenty-four credits in order to graduate on time next semester. What? So uh, I've, I've got. I've got less of a chance of being Ryan Field and more of a chance of being that uh, hot girl in high school that moved out to L.A. because she thought acting was easy. <laughs> and then, you know, she's like 40 years old and has no soul in her eyes, and she's just working as a stripper and a waitress. Well, so. I, I'd advise that you get those 24 credits done as soon as possible because I don't think you want your girlfriend in Los Angeles without you there. That's just my that, advice. That's, that's very true. That's very true. She's, again, still way too hot for me. So, um yeah, and, and and being a stripper is going to be difficult for me because I have the the body of like a five year old boy. So yeah. All right, we had you, um, we, we had you on to talk Pistons, uh, Justin. Do you have any questions for for Jasper that don't involve him uh, having to take twenty four credits next semester? Yeah, I actually do, and really, I just want to start uh, generally with the Pistons. We haven't really touched on them in three four weeks, and at that time they were rolling along. I think six and two or whatever they were. And, and I was saying that I was a believer, not that they were going to win 70% of their games going forward, obviously, and we qualified that appropriately. But I, I think this team has continued to be what I said they would be about a month ago when I bought in pretty early. And I, I'm happy with what I'm seeing. 14 and 12, fringe of the playoff race. They've lost a couple of games right at the end in heartbreaking fashion. The half court shot, yes, the Pistons could have avoided that and done things to avoid that, but definitely a fluke. Where do you stand on this team? Are you pleased with what you're seeing so far? Yeah, I, I think if anything, I'm pleasantly surprised, and that's sort of weird to say because we we all bought into this team as being around a 500 team, and they've been better than that so far through 26 games, uh, and and that's even without Brandon Jennings or Jody Meeks in the rotation. So uh, there's a lot of things to be really pleased about with. A, how the season's gone so far in the sense that Andre Drummond is an all-star. Um, I'm not even going to say, oh, he'll probably make it. He's an all-star. He's arguably one of – he's up there right now with Boogie Cousins, Dwight Howard in terms of, like, changing the game centers. He's up there. He's one of the better players in the league. Um, Reggie Jackson has done pretty much everything we, we hoped he would do. Uh, KCP still can't hit an open three-pointer, but he's played great defense. Marcus Morris has been really solid in playing a shitload of minutes, uh, which this team needs because they have no depth, especially in the front court. So 
there's things to be happy about, things to maybe be a little concerned about, especially when you look at KCP playing like 38 minutes a game, Marcus Morris playing like 39 minutes a game. In an 82-game season, your starters can't rack up that kind of minute. So Jennings coming back and giving you anything, Meek coming back and giving you something, that's going to be really crucial, in my opinion, moving forward if they're going to continue to be successful. They, they lose that game the other night, absolute fluke, uh, with that Barnes three that he should never even have taken. He had plenty of time. He takes a half-court shot, and, of course, it goes in. And then last night, the uh, Red Wings and Pistons both decided to take a crap at the exact same time, uh, one losing in overtime and the other losing in regulation. It, it, it's just weird. This, this team is 14-12. and 12. They probably should be 16-10. and 10 based on what's happened in the last week. And it's funny, the difference between being 14 and 12 and being 16 and 10 in the East right now is basically the difference between looking on the outside, looking in on the playoff race, and being like in second in the conference. I mean, that's how tight this is. The uh, Toronto Raptors are 16 and 10, and they're one game out from having the best record in the league which is the 15-7 and seven Cleveland Cavaliers. In the East, right. Yeah. In the East, I'm yeah. sorry. It, it, it's really strange that the, the one, the finally the year it looks like the Pistons, Jasper, have gotten somewhat respectable, so has the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I mean, I, look, hey, I know I talked about it a little bit with you guys. I, I talked about it on my own radio show here in Syracuse. I came into this season looking at a lot of the rosters on the East and looking at a lot of the losses the West had, and I really thought the East was going to take a bump up in terms of competitiveness, in terms of actually having some good teams where it's not like four decent squads and then the bottom four are like college squads. You know what I mean? Um, right. Even You even look at like teams like the Knicks, who have been surprisingly not shit this year. Um, the East is way better. It's way better. Uh, you just saw Milwaukee knock off a, a, the 24-1 and one now Golden State Warriors, and they're not even in the playoffs right now in the East. So it's a, it's a Well, here, here, here's an conference. interesting thing that we used to see in the East. Right now, I know it's before Christmas, which where before anyone really starts paying attention to the NBA, but right now there's two teams in the West under 500 who would you know qualify for the playoffs. And, yep. and, in, and in the East, there's two teams. It's the opposite. Yeah, two teams that are over 500 that would be, you know, on the outside looking in. And that's not even mentioning the fact that a playoff team, a pretty damn good team last year, like the Washington Wizards, are 10 and 13 and behind the Knicks. And the Pistons are tied with the Hawks, who, what, they win, like 60 some games last year? Yeah, 61 games. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I think. Yeah, that, oh, it, it, it's. It, but you know what? The thing is, at this point, after Christmas, after the All-Star break, things start to, start to separate a little bit, and you start seeing the teams that are really legit separate from the pack. I think you're going to see that in the East. Once they get back Jennings, and if, I'm telling you, man, if Jennings can just give them, like, two threes a game and rest KCP and, and do, you know, just not get torched on defense too badly – that's going to improve them so much because Steve Blake has been, despite shooting better a little bit over the last couple of weeks, he's been crap. He's been terrible. And you bring back Jennings, who had a PER close to 20 last year, 
and you replace Blake with him, even if he's half of what he was, it's an improvement. And you need to start taking minutes off of guys like Morris and KCP because, look, this is a team that should be competing for the playoffs and should be in the playoffs. They're not. They're, they're better on paper than the Bucks. They're better on paper than the Celtics. They're better on paper than the Knicks, for Christ's sake. So there's no reason to not look forward to the playoffs at this point. They need to do a trade. They need to bolster that front court if they're going to be able to remain competitive because right now, again, they got Marcus Morris playing like 40 minutes a night. It's too much. You can't do it. You'll, you'll, you'll blow out your legs in an 82-game season. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this for the team's chances this year. Obviously, we're not talking about title implications. No one is under the illusion that this is a championship team. But looking at, no. the, well, I mean, looking at the Eastern Conference, we've said that they've improved and they've risen. Uh, they've risen to collective via, viability and, uh, you know, they're just – they're, it's a solid conference. There's a lot of like solid to you know B minus B teams, but there's really not much good at the top except for the Cavaliers. I would argue if Brandon Jennings is good and healthy when he comes back, and they add a, a viable front court piece to the bench, the Pistons might have an argument for the second best team in the conference. It's just it's not that competitive. And one thing I'll say, you know, at the very top, I mean, and the one thing I'll say for Brandon Jennings. You know, he is what he is, but people might forget when he went down, look at his numbers for his last month. He was playing the best basketball of his career, averaging 21 points a game, seven assists, shooting 44%, which for him was a revelation. I mean, this is a guy who was playing, he was buying into the system. He was at the absolute peak of his career, looking like he was finally tapping into the potential that made him at one point the number one basketball recruit in the country coming out of high school. If he is even 80% of that, couldn't I argue that this team is the second or third best in the East with one more big man piece added? Absolutely, and that's not even putting into effect, you know, Jody Meeks. Jody Meeks will help. There's more shooting, more shooting. The more shooting they can add, the better. And and like you said, Jennings, very overlooked, I feel, coming even into this season. Obviously, an Achilles injury is, is bad. It's not a good sign for a basketball player to, to have an Achilles injury, but... God, the guy was playing himself into all-star contention last year. I don't think he would have made it even if he could have stayed healthy, but, like, there was talk, man. And it was not like, oh, Jesus, like Allen Iverson in 09 making the all-star team. It was like, yeah, he, he was good. He was leading them to wins. It was on him. It wasn't Monroe. It wasn't Drummond. It wasn't KCP, that's for sure. It was Brandon Jennings who, who brought them to that win streak and, and brought them to a place where people were looking at them as a team that could make the playoffs and, and maybe make some noise. And and like you said, Brand, uh, Justin. Um, What'd you call him? Next, I, I almost said Brandon because I'm talking about Brandon Jennings. Oh, okay. Anyway. That's my middle yeah. name, Dick. Um, yeah, this year, even if they do get Jennings back and he's, what, 70%, they're not going to compete for a title. That's just not going to happen. Gun to your head. Do they make the playoffs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I say yes, too. All right. I yeah. pre- we appreciate you coming on. We're running up against the clock. The, under- ah, okay. the the undercard is coming up next here, and they're MMA guys, and I don't want to get my ass kicked. So uh, we got to get off in a timely fashion, uh, Justin. But we will see you two weeks from tonight. You will be live in studio. Uh, I will. Hosting, I right? will. Okay. And maybe you can get us a – oh, shit. 
Man, oh man, that guy's a lot bigger. Than I'll, me. I'll be reading uh, my research paper over the air. Okay, back, that, that's back, great. Back. All right, maybe we can yeah. have some Bella Piata uh, delivered to uh, Jessica. You know, your dad, the uh, master chef. What's over that? There. His dad is a chef at Bur- uh, the cross- restaurant across the street from the Townsend oh, called really? Bella Piatti. Yeah, really good Italian. Yeah. I'm, I was no, going to no say, I'm assuming it's Italian. Yeah. I had a nice picture with good, Wendy good, there good, a few weeks good, back. good Lebanese food over there at Bella Piatti. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll bring a signed <laughs> picture of Mark face. Wahlberg for you. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, uh, thanks a lot uh, Jasper. Um, and we'll see, like I said, we'll see you in two weeks, and we'll have a lot of Pistons talk that night, hopefully. Lasagna, please. All right. Take yeah, care, guys. And bring some lasagna for <laughs> Jessica. Thanks, Jasper. All right, we're done here. Last thing I want to talk about, this just popped up on Twitter, and like uh, I just got a boner. Um, it's a little awkward. I'm yeah. right across the table from you. Pierre Lebron of ESPN, uh, thanks for distracting me, is no speculating what if the Detroit Red Wings make Steven Stamkos an offer? Is he restricted? Uh, unrestricted. Oh. I mean, he's one of my favorite players in the league because, you know, us Greeks stay together. So uh, We'll leave you with this positive note. This is from LeBron. Quote, well, I mean, listen, that is an important part to underline in all of this. So many teams have made this a, a t- Tampa or Toronto decision. What about other teams? What if Ken Holland in Detroit and the way they properly manage their situation going into a new rink, Steven Samkos has played just across the border in Sarnia in the OHL. What if Ken Holland made a big offer? I'm not saying he will. Again, like Bob, I'm just putting it out there as theoretical, not as gossip. I mean, there are other teams who could step up and make him an offer if he goes to July 1st. I think that's been underplayed in all of this. There's no question about it. Pure speculation, but I mean, obviously, I don't we'd, care. we'd love it. Yeah, no uh, question. Steve Stamkos. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah, we can talk about that next week. Next week, the DSR Raggies. Hopefully, we'll have some fun with Mitch Album. Maybe have some audio uh, next week. And uh, who else? Who, who the hell knows what could happen? I mean... The first 10 minutes of the show was dedicated to the cleaning lady of this place having a <laughs> <laughs> relationship with Jennifer Hammond. So, stranger thanks, things yeah, have stranger happened. things have happened. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you. And uh, stay tuned for uh, guys the, kicking our ass to get us out of here. The undercard. The undercard. Yeah. Thank you. This is a previously recorded episode.